If you have your Bibles today, you can open up to 1 Corinthians chapter 13, uh, is where we're going to be spending some time as we continue our series on the body. Uh, my family and I were not here last week. We, we took off for the early parts of spring break and uh, caught some sunshine. So I wasn't here, but uh, Chrissy Davis, our children's director, delivered an amazing message. Uh, wasn't that phenomenal? Uh, we were able to tune in uh, online last week and listen to Chrissy, and uh, so grateful for her and the whole Davis family and uh, the message and the story that she was able to share with us. Uh, we're continuing the series today on the body. For those of you that uh, maybe haven't been with us recently, the body is a metaphor used in Scripture for the church, that the church is the body of Christ. Jesus is the head, and then the followers of Jesus are the body. that execute the vision, the plans of, of Jesus. The body gets to be a part of doing what God has intended to do uh, on this planet. So the, the church, it's, it's a global body. It's all the followers of Jesus around the globe uh, that are faithful to the gospel, faithful to the word of God. It's the other communities of faith that gather even in Missoula with different personalities, different sizes, different uh, passions, but God is using them all together to fulfill his purposes in this community. So we're not at odds with other parts of other churches that, that gather together, that we are a body that God is using to fulfill his vision uh, within Missoula and around the globe. But the body also is, it's the local gathering community. For us, it is Anchor Church, that we are one body, many parts. And as we've discovered throughout this series, as we are one body, many parts, we, we don't just belong to ourselves, that we belong to each other. And we don't keep what God has gifted us into ourselves, that we, we figure out how do we utilize this responsibly in the context of the body. That we, we operate in a way that doesn't just benefit ourselves, uh, but that is helpful to the body. In fact, our theme verse has been Ephesians uh, chapter 4, verse 16, it says, he, speaking of Jesus, he, is, he, he makes the whole body fit together perfectly. Like what, what, what he is building together in Anchor and around the globe, he's doing it really well. In fact, he's doing it perfectly. And then as each part of the body uh, understands that they've been given a special gift and exercises that special gift, it says it helps the, the other parts of the body grow. Meaning the ways that God's gifted us is not just ways to make us grow when we exercise them. The way that God has gifted me and the way that God has gifted you when exercised helps everybody else grow. Therefore, if I'm keeping that gift to myself, it's not just me that's missing out. It's in fact, it's the body that God has called me to be a part of that's missing out when the gift isn't being exercised. But when everyone is using their gift, it says that so the whole body can be healthy and growing and full of love. I'll tell you, that is God's vision for the body. That's his desire for the church. Therefore, is our vision for Anchor Church, that we be a community that is healthy, that it is growing, and it is full of love. We've said this uh, often in the series, and I think it is worth repeating, that um, the health of a church is different than the size of a church. That uh, you can have a large church that is unhealthy. Uh, and so our goal as Anchor Church isn't how many people can we gather together. Our goal as a church is how healthy can we be. And we recognize that a church is most healthy, not when a few people who are gifted perform in front of the church. The church is most healthy when the body learns to discover their God-given gifts and begins to implement those gifts within the context of the body. I want to say this as well. Uh, one of our core values as Anchor is the church. And we say it this way, we gather and we go. That uh, the church is not what happens within these four walls on a Sunday. That is a part of it. That is the gathering. But the church isn't isolated to the gathering. It is the gathering and the going. That uh, 
If it's just one or the other, we're vastly missing out on God's vision for the church. We believe in the gathering. It's what we're doing in these moments. But these are moments that uh, don't check all the boxes of what the church is supposed to be. This is where we come together and we minister to the Lord and we minister to others and faith is stirred and we're trained up and we're equipped and we're encouraged to enter into the going throughout the week and be the hands and feet of Jesus in the community that he has placed us in. We believe that we we are supposed to be both. So our vision for this series is that you individually would recognize your God-given calling, your God-given purpose, your God-given gifts to be exercised within the body, in the gathering, and in the going. Two weeks ago, we were in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, and uh, we read through a list of spiritual gifts. And it was the third list we've come across in Scripture. And it lists off all these gifts and, uh, and how we are to desire the gifts that are most helpful for the body. Again, it's, it's not just what gifts do I want the most, make me most comfortable, but God, how would you gift me in a way that you know the needs of the community around me, and you're going to gift me in a way to benefit them, and you're going to gift them in a way to, to benefit me, and we're to seek these gifts. And... Uh, we talked about this uh, two weeks ago, and then uh, we introduced to you guys uh, the spiritual gifts test that we're working on. And uh, we, we've, we have this vision, we have this goal that uh, in the next couple of weeks, we would have 200 people within our church uh, take the spiritual gift test and report their top spiritual gifts. This is a way for us to organize and mobilize the gifts that God has placed within the body of Anchor Church. It's really, really simple. If you scan the QR code, it's actually option number two. Number one is church calendar. The next one is what are my spiritual gifts? And it takes you to the website, goanchorchurch.com slash gifts. You can just search that if you want. And it's three steps. Step one is you take the assessment and then uh, it just takes a few minutes and then it kicks back to you your top spiritual gifts. What we're asking you to do after that is go to step two, where you report those gifts to to us, to Anchor. And then step three, uh, there is a, a whole list of all 22 gifts. There are scripture references and uh, that support them, what these gifts are in brevity. And then it just gives you some teasers on ways that you could utilize the way God has gifted you in the gathering and the going. It is not exhaustive. It's trying to get your mind going on how could God use this gift in the gathering and in the going. It's our vision that uh, right now we would have 200 people to, to get this going, and then this would be the nature of our church. This would be the culture, that when someone shows up, they come to a welcome lunch, it's like, what are the next steps? Well, the next steps is to discover how God has gifted you, because he is fitting the body together perfectly, and uh, because he brought you, there's something that he has gifted you with that is, is to be useful in the gathering and in the going. So how do we, not just you learn about Anchor, but how does Anchor learn about you and the reasons that God has gifted you and brought you into this community? This is a vision that we have. We uh, have less than uh, almost 100 people have done this. Uh, so if you've not done it yet, I, we can't ask you and encourage you enough to get this done. Uh, even if you tune out for the next 15 minutes of my message, it's important enough. If you want to do it right now, no shame. Get it done. Uh, because what we'll be able to do then is we will have, uh, we have the, the, the simulation of the gifts that God has brought our church at this time. And then when a need arises, we know exactly who comes to life when they get to meet that need. We know exactly who God has provided. There's so many needs in this community that I, I am not gifted to meet, and our staff isn't gifted, but, but you are. That's why God has brought us together. So rather than just relying on a church staff to meet all the needs, let's be the body that God intended us to be. 
And then uh, as needs arise, or as ministries begin, like being able to match those needs with the people that are gifted, we got all these ideas and visions of like, what would it be like to get those of you that are gifted in faith and in intercession in the same room? And we start discussing what, what is it we're believing God to do? And we just stir the, the faith inside this community with those who've been gifted. What's it look like to get those uh, who have vision for, or gifted in leadership or gifted in teaching? What's it look like to get inside the same room and say, like, what is God putting on our heart? And how is he gifting us to utilize our gifts in the gathering? and the going. What's it look like to take all these different skill sets, bringing them together and just saying like, hey, this, we're not just going to be spectators in our church. We're going to be engaged in the body. And I just can't even imagine the, the incredible needs that are going to be met, the ways that you are going to be empowered to, to build the church that God has called us to build when we just simply organize and mobilize. It's going to be incredible. It's like, uh, it's just, I keep thinking, this is just like the most amazing idea to have like all these people working together. It's like this, this organism. It's like a, it's like a body, you know? It's like... God was really brilliant. Like, what does it look like to just read scripture? Like, oh, let's do that. Let's run with God's ideas. And so we're just taking the time right now to organize so that we can uh, begin to mobilize. What does it look like to be the body, to be a healthy church, regardless of size? If this is as big as it ever gets, uh, it's not about big. It's about health. And how do we be a healthy community? And we believe right now our vision is to lean into learning, discovering the ways God has gifted each one of us, organizing that, and then putting the pieces together of how we can live out God's vision of being a body. Uh, so the question that we're going to approach now is like, what's next? Chapter 12 talked about these gifts, and then uh, we're told at the end of chapter 12 to, to desire the gifts that are most helpful. And then we go straight into some new thoughts in chapter 13. So those of you that uh, have already discovered your gifts, uh, this is kind of a what's next. Those of you who haven't yet, this is really important information as you do discover your spiritual gifts. So we wrap up chapter 12. Uh, you should earnestly desire the most helpful gifts, but now let me show you the way that is best of all. And we jump into the next thought of Paul, the author here in chapter 13. And as he has just listed all these gifts, some more comfortable than others, he says this, if I could speak in all the languages of earth and of the angels, but didn't love others, I would only be a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal. If I had the gift of prophecy, and if I understood all of God's secret plans and possessed all knowledge, and if I had such faith that I could move mountains, but I didn't love others, I would be nothing. If I gave everything I have to the poor and even sacrificed my body, I could boast about it. But if I didn't love others, I would have gained nothing. We're not going to read it, but if you continue on, this is now love is patient, love is kind. It's this really popular scripture that begins in, in verse 4. And uh, it's this warm, fuzzy love chapter that we all know, and it's read at weddings, and I think it ought to be. It's beautiful, a God's description of what love looks like. But when we look at the context of this warm, fuzzy love chapter, we need to recognize this is actually a very strong rebuke to the church about them functioning in their gifts, but bypassing love for the body. This love chapter, when he's saying love is patient and love is kind, it's not boastful, it's not envious. It, it, it's, yes, it's descriptive of love in general, but it's talking about the people who are in the body, but they are using their God-given gifts in selfish ways, not in loving ways. This chapter is 
we can try to make it warm and fuzzy, but it is a rebuke. It's really similar to Romans chapter 12. You guys remember we studied Romans chapter 12 earlier in the series, and it's talking about the body, and it's talking about the gifts, and then there's this pause that says, uh, don't just pretend to love each other. Do you guys remember this message? Actually love them. Don't, don't, don't fake it. Don't pretend. Don't be fake. Don't show up and be a part of a community, but you're actually just in it for yourself. It says you must sincerely love, that, that this is the basis of why we are a part of the body and why we're part of the gifts is not self-serving. It is to, to serve the Lord and to serve the body. We read this in Romans 12. He makes it very clear. Stop. We're going to hold the gifts right now to make sure you know that we do this out of sincere love. And now we have him give us the same type of pause here in 1 Corinthians chapter 13, that we are to pause and recall that the foundation of all of our giftings is to be motivated by love. We uh, probably could all come up with some noises that we find annoying. Whether it's, uh, you know, it's, it's someone snoring uh, that you happen to be married to that just kind of bothers you in the middle of the night. Uh, maybe it's the, 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 the excessive noise in the back seat when you're driving. Uh, maybe, you know, it's, it's the squeaky door. It's your child popping their knuckles. Uh, you know, the proverbial nails on the chalkboard. We probably all could come up with some noises that uh, are just bothersome, are annoying to us. Uh, we had a teacher back in high school and uh, that uh, we like to mess with. I don't know if you guys had a teacher that you liked to mess with back in high school. Uh, there was one that, that, uh, that my class really liked to mess with, and uh, Dave, who's actually running sound today, we were in the same class, and uh, this teacher, we just, we would come up with whatever pranks we could pull on this teacher. We got a list of like 10 of them that are worth telling all of them to you. Just now is not the time. Uh, they're fantastic. Uh, those were great days. Uh, there's one that uh, just comes to mind as I consider this text that we're jumping into today. And uh, what we do is this, this teacher was pretty serious, and uh, when it was time to be quiet and study and focus, uh, it was a no-noise type of classroom. And so uh, one of the pranks that we decided to pull was uh, when it was quiet time, uh, all of us as in this group that was pulling these pranks together, a whole handful of us, uh, would hum the same tone at the same time. So just quiet time, we just And when there's a bunch of you doing it, when someone needs to take a breath, it doesn't stop. Like you can get your breath and keep going, but the hum just keeps going. And what's awesome about it too is when our teacher gets a little annoyed, she's like, hey, 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 uh, Kyle, is that you making that hum? I'd be like, no, it's not me. Like, listen, it's not me. And the hum is still going. And then when she calls out Dave or he calls out Dave, Dave, is that you? I just fill in the spot. And like we can just go 45 straight minutes of humming, not being able to figure out who it is because it's all of us. The noise that was just so frustrating and so annoying. Uh, you may have noises that are annoying and frustrate you. This is what is described here in verse 1. A type of annoying noise for those that are functioning in the gifts of God, the gifts of the Spirit, but not out of love. Look at this in verse one again. It says, if I could speak in all the languages of earth, if I was a really good communicator, this is referencing some of the gifts that were spoken. If I had the gift of teaching, if I had a gift of preaching, if I could communicate really well, give words of encouragement, words of discernment, if I could speak well in languages that man understands, or if I could even speak in, in tongues in the, 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 the language of angels, but if I could utilize these God-given gifts but I wasn't using them in a way to love others, I would only be a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal. In fact, if you have your Bibles open, many of your translations use the word annoying. If I had this amazing gift that I could speak 
and I could speak boldly, profoundly, and I was leading in such a way, but I wasn't doing it because I loved the people in front of me. If I did it because I loved me and I loved people loving me and liking my gift sets, if this is the motivation, it says you are actually not very helpful in this moment, you actually become annoying. An annoying gong or a clanging cymbal. That a problem arises that when you have a God-given gift, it has the ability to be utilized, exercised properly, that would draw people unto the Lord, draw people towards the grace of God. But when it is misused and it's not used out of love, what could be drawing people closer actually begins to push them away. That the same gift that God could place on your life that would cause people to draw closer to him could be used improperly and that very same gift could be annoying and push people further away. I'll say it this way and if you're taking notes you can write this down. To be gifted but not put the body first is annoying. To be gifted is awesome but to be gifted and not put the body first, not be loving the people around you well, it is just annoying. Uh, we had uh, Jake today playing drums for us uh, in his cage, and it was awesome. And uh, Jake playing the drums versus me playing the drums is a totally different story, so I'm not even going to play the drums right now, because I don't know how. Uh, but what you all experienced just a minute ago is Jake having this, this whole drum set, and then having a band, and having in a room an environment, and one of the tools that he has is the cymbal. And you just witnessed Jake using this symbol uh, periodically at the right tone, at the right time, in unison with so much else that's going around. And so when that is done and exercised, the, the, what this symbol can do, uh, it makes everything else better. But when I play the symbol, or if Jake chose to play the symbol in a different way, where it's just like, hey, this is something that uh, God has gifted me, I've got this ability, and I just start hitting a symbol, it's not gonna take very long. For this to become, I missed, annoying. <laughs> I mean, it, it gets annoying real quick. What could be beautiful becomes annoying. And here's the problem, is that if God has given me a gift, whether it's speaking or any of the other 22 gifts, if I am not aware of this gift has the potential to be really helpful, and this gift also has the potential to be really harmful, and so I want to be responsible and learn, I run the risk of saying, this gift is so awesome, and everyone should hear it as much as they can. I'm just, aren't I so amazing? And I just go around and I start banging this cymbal, and what has the potential to be beautiful now is actually like pretty darn annoying. This is what happens, and the danger that can happen within the church. He said, hey, we all got our gifts, and I want to use my gift, and I want my gift to be noticed, and I want people to appreciate what I bring to the table. And when we don't stop to recognize there is a time and a place to make this gift beautiful and edify the body, rather than bring attention to me, it can blend in and make this whole place better. We are at danger, we are in danger of being gifted by God, being a body, and then being incredibly annoying. Now, I am incredibly grateful for my Pentecostal heritage. Uh, I grew up in a very charismatic world, realms, and I am very grateful for it. Um, and I would say that I, um, by and large, fit the description of charismatic. However, I have seen the gifts used in noisy, distracting, and annoying ways. The gifts have been misused. 
and still continually are misused. And one of the great problems within church circles is the misuse of gifts. And in fact, if you continue reading in 1 Corinthians, chapter 14 is largely discussing the misuse of some of these gifts in the church setting. If you read all of chapter 14, it's like, hey, this is not appropriate. Like, that is a good gift, but it's being used in a harmful way. That gifts are always to build up and to edify the people that those gifts are being exercised around. And if the exercise of this gift is not building them up, but pushing them away, the gift isn't the problem. It is of God. It is his likeness. It is his character. The problem is in the exercising of that gift. It's our humanity taking what is good, what is godly, and using it in a way that isn't thinking about how do I use this to love the people around me well. It's thinking about how do I want to use this gift, and it becomes a problem. I, uh, I've seen another problem, though, within the church. Because the gifts have been misused, a second problem often arises. Because we've seen the gifts misused, what we're going to do with the gifts is we're going to say, thanks, but no thanks. And we take God-given gifts and we just put them in the closet, we put them in a drawer and be like, this could cause problems, this could be confusing, there'd be a lot of training, a lot of teaching, so rather than learning how to be responsible with the gifts, we're just going to say, they've been misused in the past, so let's just, let's just shelve those for now. I want to tell you, misusing the gifts of the Spirit grieves the Spirit. But I would also say, disusing the gifts of the Spirit grieve the Spirit. I think that both misuse and disuse grieve the giver of a gift. If you are given a gift and you use it in an improper way, like that wasn't, was it, it's not what it was intended for, that, that's, that's grieving to the person who gave you the gift. But also, if you are given a gift and just because you lack the maturity to learn and to understand and to figure out how to use this properly, you say, well, I'm just gonna, I'm just gonna shelve this, that is, that's so discouraging and disrespectful to the giver of the gift. And I see these are dual problems that so often happen within the church. There isn't proper understanding of how to use the gifts so they get misused. Or because we don't want them misused, we're just going to keep them in the closet altogether, and they're never used. And when they're never used, the body isn't healthy. Because we are given these gifts, and when each one expresses the gifts, other, the other parts of the body grow, and we can become healthy and growing and full of love. So here's the weight and the responsibility that we bear. Especially if we're going to lean into learning what your spiritual gifts are, we are now responsible to learn how do I use and exercise this gift in a way that is most loving to others. Even if it isn't the most noisy, even if it doesn't bring the most attention, even if it's not getting me the, the feedback I want, no, I'm going to take the responsibility. I'm not going to grieve the Holy Spirit by misusing it, and I'm not going to grieve the Holy Spirit by not using it at all. I'm going to learn and be responsible with how to use this gift properly. This is where we're at. We want to lean in. We want to be a church that does not misuse, but we want to be a church that says, if we're going to use the gifts, we have an obligation and a responsibility to learn and to grow and be mature in how to use these gifts properly. Jumping into verse 2, uh, he's, he begins to talk about some other gifts. If I had the gift of prophecy, and if I understood all of God's secret plans, if I had this wisdom and possessed all knowledge, and if I had such faith that I could move mountains, but I didn't love others, I would be nothing. It brings up the tragic possibility to see giftedness and gifts go to waste when the gifts are not being executed and exercised out of love. Meaning that having a spiritual gift and God giving a spiritual gift to us, uh, those alone are not what bring worth to God or to the body. 
It is love for God and it is love for the body. We're going to talk more about this in just a few minutes when we close, but it's a genuine connection to the head that will grant us a greater love for the body. The solution to learning how to love the body better, to exercise our gifts better, the solution isn't in conjuring up greater love for the body. It's growing in relationship with Jesus. Because as we grow in relationship with him, we find ourselves loving what he loves, respecting what he respects, building what he's building. Like we begin to have his heart and his priority. And so for us to have a right heart for the body, a right heart for how can I be gifted and then use these gifts appropriately, our solution is we lean into knowing more and more of the heart of Jesus. Then if we go to verse three, it says, if I gave everything I have to the poor, now speaking of some of the gifts of generosity here, and even if I sacrificed my body, if I gave it all away, he says, I could boast about it, but if I didn't love others, I would have actually gained nothing. He's making this statement like, if I was really generous, if I was always giving, and even if I gave everything that I had, gave even my own life, but the reason behind it wasn't because I loved the people I was giving to, it's because I wanted people to have a good opinion of me. I wanted to look good. If that is why I did what I did, what I think I gained in people's opinions actually means nothing. Now, uh, I was trying to think of a way that this could even look in our life, and um, like many of you, I've had a a hot and cold, up and down, rocky, love-hate relationship with social media. Like you can see the good in it, but you also see a whole list of dangers in it, and it's difficult. And uh, we could probably list a hundred different dangers of social media. But one of the challenges that, that we see in social media is for some, and this is no news to anybody, there's some people that we, we actually don't know them and we just see them via social media and posting these things and we develop opinions of them. Oh, they're incredible at this. They're such the best that. I wish I had what they had. And we don't really know what's going on behind the scenes. And that could be dangerous. But have you ever actually um, been in relationship with someone and you can see from your vantage point, you can see the distance between their social media image and who they truly are. It's a dangerous thing because you can see that, that an image is being portrayed, that they are successful in this business or they've got a really healthy diet or they're such a good spouse or so good as a parent. And everything that you see on social media is portraying like, I want the world to think I'm good at this. And you may develop Uh, an invisible audience out there that thinks highly of you, but at the same time, if that is not true of who you are, you're you're missing out on what has far greater value, an actual great relationship with your children and and being a, a good spouse or actually being physically healthy, that you may have gained, there's this invisible audience that thinks well of me, but what have you actually gained? Now, this isn't a message on social media, but if you want to take it that way, go for it. But this tension is what Paul's bringing up. It's like you can do a lot of things really well and you can be looked at and admired and respected and get a crowd of people around you. But if you're not doing it because you love those people, what you're gaining is positive opinions of humanity and it actually is nothing. It means nothing. That what we feel like we've gained, it says you have gained nothing. In fact, to elaborate on this, it goes on further as it describes love. It says, love is not boastful. If you're doing what you're doing in a way to, to be boastful, to get a positive response on your image, it's, it's a problem. It's not proud. 
It's not rude. It's not self-serving. It's not jealous. And if I'm functioning in any of these gifts and these are descriptive of my heart, I'm doing it wrong. Like, that is not the point of the gift. And whatever you think or I think my gift is gaining me, whatever it feels like is gain is actually nothing. What good is it in, in the span of eternity? I want to say that's a... We do not minister to the Lord. We do not minister to others. We do not serve or give or lead or sacrifice to gain anything. Our loving, our leading, our serving, our giving only has value to the extent that it is rooted in love for the Lord, rooted in love for the person in front of us, rooted in love for the body that is around us. But it can only be rooted in love to the extent that I recognize and you recognize that we have already received the greatest treasure. I want to pause here for a minute. So much of our wanting is because we've turned aside from what we've already been given. When we stop to recognize how blessed we are, all we're left with is how much we want more of what we don't have. This can be so many areas of life, but I want to take this spiritually for, for a moment here. We so easily forget that we have already been gifted the most incredible treasure that man could ever receive. That whenever I find myself wanting recognition, promotion, admiration from humanity, I've taken my eyes off of the beauty of the gospel that is already mine. That when I consider that my sin is so real and it's so wrong and I deserve death eternally separated from God, there's nothing I could do to achieve forgiveness, to get a better state, yet God loved me so much that he sent his only son to take the punishment, not that he committed, but that I committed. He took my punishment and he substituted the death that I deserve for life abundant, life eternal, and while I have time on this earth, has granted purpose and he has gifted us in ways that we get to be a part of what he is doing. When I begin to recognize I have already won the lottery, what more could I want? The problem arises is when we say, I want recognition, what we're saying is either I have forgotten the gospel or the gospel isn't enough for me. Your sins forgiven and life eternal. Like this, there is no greater treasure and we substitute adoring the treasure and partnering with what God is doing for our remaining years on this earth because I want somebody else to think positive of me. No, 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 what we desire is to get to the end of this story and stand before the Lord and have him say, well done, good and faithful servant. That is, that's what we're after. But the problem with our humanity is, no, right now, I want this person to think I'm good. I want this recognition right now. And as long as we are seeking these, whatever we do gain, whatever platform, whatever audience, whatever influence, whatever paycheck, compared to the treasure we've already received, it's, it's nothing. It's worthless. So our problem is getting back to understanding 
the grace of God that has already been extended, the love that has already been poured out on our lives. Earthly recognition can feel good in a moment, but it's nothing compared to what I already have and what has already been offered to you. Meaning that we don't do good to gain anything because what we gain would be nothing. We do good, we exercise the gifts God has given us because we've been given a new nature and we're bought into the vision of the head. Meaning that for you and I, what, what I say or what I know or what I do doesn't matter nearly as much as if what I say and what I know and what I do is rooted in love, captivated by God's love for me and fueling me to love the body that is around me. Have you ever noticed that you can be around somebody uh, who can speak well, who can actually be right, and can be doing a lot of good, but if they're just self-centered and in it for themselves and their own recognition, don't you just develop such a distaste that I don't want anything to do with that. They might be right, they might be doing a lot of good, but they're kind of a jerk about it. They're not thinking about the people around them, they're using them, and as much good as they're doing, I just don't want anything to do with it. Maybe you've been there before. I want to tell you, unfortunately, this is a very common view of the church. And for a lot of people, understandably so. But it's not always like I disagree with everything. No, a lot of people look at the church and say, well, they speak well. Even what they're, they're speaking, it's, it's true, it's accurate, I believe it. They're doing a lot of good in the community. But what I see is they're just in it for themselves. People are a tool to fuel their vision, that as long as you can help us do what we want to do, and as long as you give money and give your time, then we love you, but if you're not doing that, then we, we don't need you anymore. This is so often, this is the taste that's developed in the community that we're called to love and to serve. So many people's view on the church is like, yeah, you're doing a lot of good, but you're just in it for yourselves. I wanna say we have such a heart as we are a young church. We're 16 months old now and we're still kind of getting some traction and developing culture and who are we and what are our priorities and, and how, we have such a desire and I hope it never goes away that we stay a healthy church, a healthy community, that we are rooted in love. Yes, of course we want to speak well. Of course we want to honor the word of God and be as accurate as we possibly can. Of course we want to do good and minister to people in this community. But we value that all of it is done out of a love for God and a love for people. That we would never develop into a, a community that says like, hey, you're only as valuable as you are serving our vision. But we can say, no, God has brought you here. And it's our responsibility now to know, like, why is God putting this together perfectly? There's something inside of you to, to, to learn and to discover that you matter, your story matters. How do we, how do we empower you? One of our uh, core values is future, that we are empowering the church of today to build the church of tomorrow. How do we actually live this out? That it's not just how much can we get right now, but no, how do we empower you, the church of today, to build the church of tomorrow? A church that outlasts us, that is healthy when we're gone. What does it look like to do that? There is a value that we have and that we are striving for, what does that look like for us? Because I think that anything outside of that just becomes noise. That Anchor, we are either a source of love or a source of noise to our community. We have no desire to be 
a noisy church. Certainly, we hope people hear about us and people are invited and we'd love to see more people hear the good news of Jesus and we hope to be responsible with, with what God has given us today so that he can give us more later. Like All of that is, is certainly true. But the goal is not to just be noisy and to be known and for people to hear about us. The goal is not to just be gifted, but to be responsible, to be engaged, to love our community. I'm going to ask the band if you'll join me. As we wrap up, I just want to look at a couple other verses that we find in 1 John chapter 4. First John chapter 4 is a beautiful writing about the love of God, and we could spend so much time on this, but I just want to pull out a couple of thoughts. We're going to read, just starting in verse 9. It says, God showed how much he loved us by sending his one and only son into the world so that we might have eternal life through him. We're going to read that one again. God showed us how much he loved us by sending his one and only son into the world so that we might have eternal life through him. This is real love. Not that we loved God, but that he loved us and he sent his son as a sacrifice to take away our sins. Dear friends, since God loved us so much, we surely ought to love each other. Jumping down to verse 19, it says we love each other because he loved us first. I want to tell you that um, we're, we're wrapping up this body series here in the next week or two. It's been incredible to learn and to lean into and discover how God designed us to work together, that we are together something we could never be on our own, that we are part of something bigger, that we get to contribute to one another. It's amazing to consider that uh, the Holy Spirit gifts each one of us differently. We don't all have the same gift, and he doesn't gift us the ways to just benefit ourselves. He gifts us in ways to benefit others. But I felt so strongly that we couldn't depart from this series without some significant clarity on it's all got to be rooted in love. And this scripture tells us that God loved us so much he loved you so much that he sent his only son so that you could experience eternal life. And it says, this is real love. Real love is not that we love God. A lot of times that's like, it's how I feel. This is love. No, real love is a reflection of love, but real love is not that we love God. Real love is that a perfect God has already extended a full display of his love to imperfect us. Love the scripture says, uh, it wasn't when we were at our best that he loved us. It says when we were his enemy, when we were at our worst, he loved. So true love is not that we loved him, it's that he loved us. And when we get captivated once again by his love for us, surely we'll begin to love one another. I want to tell you is we often talk about the Bible is 
extensive on the way that following Jesus ought to affect our behavior. And we're not afraid to talk about behavior and sin and we ought to do these things and ought not to do these things. But we want to be very careful to always go back to the byproduct of our behavior is rooted in our love for Jesus, our infatuation with the gospel. We want to be a people, an individual who loves the body. Man, that's a heart and a vision that we have and I hope it's been developing in you through this series. The way that we do that is we get captivated once again that the greatest treasure, God's grace, his love, his forgiveness has been extended to us when we see how much we are loved, surely we'll begin loving the body. We'll be able to say, God, you've gifted me in this way. And I don't want to use this gift just to make noise. And I don't want to use this gift just to advance my agenda. I don't want to use this gift just so that other people think well of me. I want to use this gift in a way that you see is most beneficial to the community that you've placed me in. I want to use this gift as a way to, to minister to you, express my love to you, to use this gift to minister to others, to express love for the church that you've placed me in. If you're here today and uh, you're a follower of Jesus, you consider yourself a Christian, especially if Anchor Church, if this is your home, if this is your community. My prayer for you today is that you get captivated once again by the gospel. Sometimes it's easier to just say, hey, give us three points to work on. But the reality is anything that is lasting is being captivated by the gospel. To get to a place where like, human recognition just doesn't mean anything to me because I've already received the greatest treasure. And yes, we want to work on how do we organize and how do we mobilize and how do we, how do we recognize your gifts and how do we exercise them? Like we're, we're going to also include the practical. But the baseline that we go back to is being infatuated by God's incredible love for you. And my second prayer so we'll be responsible with the gift. Being responsible is not putting it aside because you don't know how to do it yet. Being responsible is being cautious. It's being delicate. It's, it's learning from other people who have used this gift before. It's being thoughtful. Is the way that I'm exercising this gift, is it edifying others or is it just making me feel good? It's asking the questions. It's, it's growing in it. What does it look like for us? to be the body, gifted, and responsible with those giftings. So I think this is what builds a healthy church. It's what our theme verse says. Like This is what builds a healthy community. It's not just what we can put on at 10 o'clock on Sunday mornings. It's, it's us. It's a body. And you matter. You're valuable. You're a part of this. God is fitting you and us together perfectly. And he's gifting you in ways that we're not gifted. He's gifting the person next to you different than you're gifted. And we are going to lean into the responsibility of working together and being the church, the body of Christ. We gather and we go. If you're here today and you're not a follower of Jesus, you don't consider yourself a Christian, I want to tell you the reason that you can love anybody, the reason you can love any activity, the reason you can love at all, 
is because you've already been loved. We can only love because we were loved first. I want to tell you, you may feel like you are unlovable by a perfect God. That's what makes the news so good. Because he didn't love us when we were good. Before we had a chance to try to ask, achieve, earn, he said, I, I love you so much that I'm not willing to let this be the end of your story. And he sent Jesus to take the crime, take the punishment for my crime and for yours. And anyone who believes can receive the greatest treasure, forgiveness, hope, and life eternal. If you're willing and able, would you stand with me? Maybe you're here today and uh, that type of hope, that type of forgiveness, something you haven't experienced, something that you're looking for. I want to tell you, uh, man, God loves you. I think the reason that you're here today is because he is hot on your trail. And he's so full of grace, so full of forgiveness. And his grace is that he forgives you, although you don't deserve it. And then a layer of grace upon that grace so he says, and while you're here on this earth, I'm not going to sit you on the bench. I'm going to gift you and I'm going to welcome you into my body along other parts of the body to be a part of something bigger than yourself, to be a part of fulfilling Jesus's vision on this earth. It'd be so easy to feel so inadequate and so disqualified. It's the grace of God upon the grace of God upon the grace of God. We get to do this. We're so honored that we get to do this with you. So grateful that God has gifted you in ways that he's not gifted our staff. And we're going to lean in and we're going to learn and we're going to organize and we're going to, we're going to see Jesus' vision, his blueprints for Anchor Church that a couple years ago we didn't even know existed, that he's been working on. And now we get to see them develop and be a part of it. It's such a privilege. If you're here today and today's the day to put your faith in Jesus, uh, we don't think you have to say any special words or have a certain person pray over you. Um, we believe it's a decision that's happening in your heart. It's a personal relationship with Jesus. But we do not want to be a community that says, hey, if you want to start following Jesus, hope you figure it out. We would love to be a community that walks with you. And uh, we have a really simple request of you. On the QR code or even on your way out, there's a hard copy. There's a, there's a card that says, uh, I've decided. Again, on the QR code, uh, you just scroll down to say, I've decided. It's really simple. You just check a box that says, I've decided to follow Jesus. And the easiest way to contact you, because uh, we don't want to leave you hanging. We want to walk with you. If you today or recently are curious about starting this life of following Jesus, uh, we'd love to connect with you and walk with you and what it means to be a follower of Jesus. To the church right now, I just want to pray over you. Um, I'm going to ask you, would you either put your hand over your heart or your hands out to receive, or would you just put yourself in whatever posture is, is saying, God, I, I do want to receive from you. I just want to pray what we've spoken about today over you. Father, we thank you that you loved first. We thank you that we are fully known and fully loved. You don't just love the, the most presentable parts. You fully know us. The good, the bad, and the ugly, and you fully love. 
God, even on our best days, it's unfathomable that you would love me as fully as you do. So God, I just ask that today you take us back to the beauty of the gospel. Yes, we want to exercise our gifts and we want to learn and we want to grow and it's grateful to have this checklist of what to do, but God, take us back to the beauty of your grace that you redeemed us when there was nothing we could do to redeem ourselves, that you saved us when there was nothing we could do to save ourselves, that you loved us when we were so unlovable. And God, we thank you that you allow us with the remaining breath we have on this earth to be a part of what you're doing, to love what you love, to build what you build. God, we, we, we repent that we ever ask for more, that we want recognition from humanity. God, we've, we've, we've got it all in you. God, your grace is enough. Let us look once again on your grace. Father, I pray specifically as we function as a body, captivated by the love of the Father, that as we begin to function as a body, as we begin to exercise our gifts, Father, let us never deviate from using our gifts from a foundation of love. God, that we would not be self-serving, we would not be boastful, we would not be rude. We would use our gifts in a way that amplifies and edifies the people around us. God, that we would learn to be responsible of when it is to speak up and use the gift, when it is responsible to, to be quiet and, and, and to, to stay back. God, that we would understand and learn and be sensitive to your Holy Spirit of how to use the gifts you've given us in a way that builds and edifies others. God, let us never become a noisy, annoying community of believers that is self-serving, that just wants to use our gifts because we feel good when we use them. God, let us be a loving body, a loving community. We just declare right now, Jesus, that you are the head of this body, you are the leader, and we do not want to deviate from your passion, your vision, your direction, your heart. Use us as you will, use us as you desire. You are our Lord, you are our King, you are the Savior, and we follow you. We love you, Jesus. We love you, Lord.